Hey everybody, welcome to a new episode of the Low Code Approach. My name is Sean Feeney. I am 33.3% repeating of this podcast host, and I'm joined by... I'm Wendy Haddad. I'm a senior cloud solution architect and a former customer, also known as Captain Planet. My name is Ken Aguilar, principal program manager, power platform, governance, security, all things difficult to talk about are my specialty topics, I guess. Nice. And today we are joined by a very special guest. It's something that we've always wanted to talk about, chat about. We're joined by Jack Robotham, Senior Product Marketing Manager of Power Virtual Agents on Power Platform. So just by that title alone, you kind of got an idea about what's the topic we're going to talk about. Jack, how are you doing? Hey, I'm good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Jack, can you do us a favor and introduce yourself and give us a little bit of your background? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so yeah, hi, I'm Jack Robotham. I am the Power Virtual Agents Product Marketing Manager. I've been at Microsoft for five years now. In the past, the first three years was working on the field sales side, so helping organizations adopt Power Platform. But now over the last two years, I've joined the marketing force, and now we work on all the awesome disclosures and promoting all the amazing features that our engineering teams uh, make. Very cool. So I think we'll start with the most basic of questions. What is Power Virtual Agents, also known as PVA? Yeah, that's a good question. So uh, it kind of says it in the name. It sits in the Power Platform, and you're essentially building virtual agents via a low-code experience. It allows you to build, start really quickly from a, a low-code experience, but the advanced functionalities of pro developers are also feeded into there as well from the Azure Bot framework. So it's an end-to-end -end bot building experience. So you can build, you can deploy, you can publish, you can secure, and get all your analytics in one place. It's not just like a service. It's the whole end-to-end -end ecosystem for what you need to build an intelligent chatbot. So Jack, I'm curious as we think about where Power Virtual Agents fits in the Power Platform, kind of two questions here. Can you provide examples and maybe spark people's imagination of how to use it, but especially thinking about how it scales. So if we talk about maybe a small or individual use case, a medium-sized organizational use case, and then large enterprise-wide, how can uh, Power Virtual Agents be used? Yeah, good question. So the best way to describe it is because it's a platform, you can build it for your industry, your department with your data, right? So you can kind of pick, and we've seen examples across the whole ecosystem. We've seen people building it for HR, IT, service, across industries of healthcare, financial services, uh, manufacturing, and then with your data, right? The Power Platform Connectors is included in Power Virtual Agent. So when we think about applying it to the various different organizations, we've seen smaller organizations see this as an opportunity to say, hey, I don't have a massive development workforce. I can use this tool and build intelligent chatbots that allow me to scale my service where I might not have thousands of uh, customer service agents helping me to scale and provide the right answers to our customers. All the way to you know, large enterprises like Rabobank is, is one of the uh, customer stories that we've just added recently. They're going in with 12 million sessions a year for Power Virtual Agents. So like for a scale perspective, it just allows them to not worry about the demand. As I kind of mentioned, it's a SaaS, it's an end-to-end -end solution. So if it's high usage, great. You know, the SaaS scales for you. If it's low, then it still works for you. So it just, we kind of got that ideal spectrum. So if you're a small organization, if you're a large organization, you can both see value um, from that. One of my favorite stories around Power Virtual Agents as I worked with customers is someone in HR. She was not a developer, no development background. She was a techie enough to be dangerous. She actually built uh, using virtual agents. She was building a whole career platform using SharePoint and Power Platform. And she actually built a Power Virtual Agents that was an interview prep bot. 
So it would ask questions and help people be able to answer and practice. And this is before chat GPT. I know that's the thing right now that people are asking interview questions and whatnot came out and coaching and just a great way to uh, provide career mentoring. And so I've seen it used on some of the business side, opening tickets, uh, routing to call centers, but also even just in this, this individual use case to help people upskill their their career and, and be better set up for success to advance. I think Wendy kind of set us up right there for one of the, the next questions that I was going to ask. And that is, you know, we have the proverbial elephant of the year, which is AI. So what have we done by like, listen, using maybe Wendy's example right there, how could a customer use something like generative AI and our side of power virtual agents to enhance what Wendy just said, like what advancements have we made within Power Virtual Agents? Yeah, it's been absolutely insane over the last 12 months, right? ChatGPT, was it November 2022, was the time that conversational agents became cool again, right? People started to care and think, actually, I can have a really compelling and useful experience via a chat experience. Since then, I think, first of all, large language models haven't been a new thing for PVA. You know, we've been using them for years. Pre-trained large language models, you don't have to go off and custom train them. You can use them quickly, see values, Wendy kind of gave examples of. You put the trigger topics, you start to have the conversation. But with the introduction of generative AI back in November, PVA was able, Power Virtual Agents was able to move incredibly fast. And the use of generative AI has been used in kind of two ways, and I kind of bucket them into two different silos. There's generative AI to help you build an intelligent chatbot, right? The idea of natural language to building. It When you interact with a chatbot, it's as easy as just talking to it, right? And we want the experience of building that to be as easy as the way that you talk. You know, help me build a conversation topic that uses variables and completes a task. So that's the first element. And we call that our co-pilot and power virtual agent, describe to build. And then the second part, which I think is the real revolutionary part for generative AI is generative answers and generative actions in power virtual agents. And that's there to help your bot respond with the use of generative AI. So to build and to answer. So yeah, so those are the two really key topics. Generative answers is the idea that you can plug it into your data sources and an empty bot just connected to your data sources can start to chat and provide a conversational experience straight away to kind of seeing that instant value. And you think, you know, Gartner's just said, generative AI is in its hype cycle right now, right? We need to prove value very quickly. We've seen so many different scenarios. You see all the clickbait content on social, on social media, right? Saying, hey, look, all these great tools that are gonna change your world, but we don't see really tangible ROI. And this examples like generative answers is, is the perfect way to prove value quickly. Um, and just a you know caveat, a link that you can test out and try for yourself, aka.ms forward slash try PVA, or it's aka.ms forward slash PVA demo. That's the generative answers experience that you could try on our website today for free. Yeah, I was just going to ask for those of us who may not be in a know, but I think you did a really good job of explaining what is generative AI. Because some folks may not fully understand like, what that exactly means right we use that ai term very loosely yeah exactly that and generative ai comes in so many different forms as well obviously it all comes down to generative content but there's generative ai being used to help with code development there's generative ai to help with task completion there's generative ai to help with knowledge discovery over your data and there's so many different scenarios that are kind of coming uh, as a result of the introduction of those models so Jack, earlier you mentioned, you know, Power Virtual Agents uh, using Power Platform Connectors where you could go, you know, add additional data sources to your chatbots. How do you see that th those lines of extensibility changing the way that PVA is working in the age of AI? 
Do you see that that's going to be expanded uh, use cases? Do you see people building out new experiences, both internal and external facing for their customers? How do you see that changing the game for Power Virtual Agents? Yeah, it's a, it's certainly an interesting one. And when we think about, there's two ways that typically that people would use intelligent chatbots, right? There's to find answers, help me find the answer for a knowledge-based article. How do I fix my computer? You know, these sort of scenarios. And then there's the ones that actually are transactional. Help me complete a task. How do I update my contact information? You know, how do I add a new line item in my uh, invoice system, for example? So that action piece is where, you know, the Power Platform connectors really come into play. And with the introduction of generative actions, which is in limited preview at the moment for PVA, we're kind of flipping it on its head with Power Platform connectors, right? Today, you build your Power Platform connector uh, or Power Automate Flow, and you embed that into PVA. So PVA is able to call it. But the future is we're, we're building this plugin experience where you plug them in and you don't even have to build the conversation. It will just use this kind of Langchain experience to dynamically understand, hey, I've got all these different plugins. How do I formulate a conversation and complete the task for you? Um, so that's the really cool stuff that we're starting to do is that next step. Whereas like today you build all your plugins, you build your power to make flows, you embed them and trigger them via you know conversation. But the next step is, okay, now just plug them in directly. You don't have to do all that advanced building and it will then decide how to uh, manage the conversation for you. Yeah, thank you for that. You've been talking a lot about building and expanding these, these chatbots and the use cases that come in there. How does PVA or Power Virtual Agents work with Azure AI Studio? What happens there? We get that a lot, right? It's uh, do we use Power Virtual Agents or do we use the Azure AI Studio? The first thing I always say is it's a best together, right? It's not one or the other in these scenarios. Over the last couple of months, we've been really working closely with them because at the end of the day, they both provide Azure OpenAI service experiences that you can build with. Um, PVA provides one out of the box or a low code experience. Azure allows you to you know, go a bit more custom, have a bit more configurability uh, over your, you know, your prompts and such. So what I always say is start with PVA, see the value, see how it works. And when you reach that limit to say, hey, actually, I need a little bit more control. I, I need some more from it. You can easily jump into the Azure AI Studio, you know, stand up that custom service. And with the recent announcements, you can now have a one-click dropdown of publish to PVA from the Azure AI Studio back into your PVA bot. So we're just making it seamless. You know, if you want out of the box, go with PVA. If you want more custom, go to the Azure AI Studio. But the good thing is they both work together and then you can publish it into one single unified um, chatbot experience. So I think that's super powerful. Jack, I want to double click on that. So talk to me about the skill set required to, to do what you just said, because if I think about power virtual agents as part of the power platform, there's the low code, no code emphasis. But now when we talk about Azure and Azure AI studios, I start thinking of more of the pro code skills. So mm. if someone wants to build a chatbot with generative AI, are they required to have those pro code skills, development skills, if you will? I know Kartik says everyone's a developer, but assuming not, um, you know, yeah. what are you thinking there in terms of skill sets required? Yeah, I think what you just said kind of triggered a point. You said everyone's a developer. In my mind, everyone's a problem solver, maybe in this scenario, right? And depending on the complexity of the solution and kind of direct to what type of technology and the skill set that you need. I think for me, I'm seeing more of a shift to the soft skills of what's the problem? How do we get there? And then the technology kind of comes as a follow on and the skills that then are then required. So like PVA. We've seen HR representatives be able to build compelling bots over their onboarding data very quickly. So they know the problem and they know how to then get there with the right data. But the experience is they don't have to have, you know, pro code experience. They don't know how to code. They don't know how to do any of those things. And I think this brings together that, that concept of the fusion team, right? The, 
citizen developers or the business users combining with the pro developers, being able to communicate, collaborate in this one bot building canvas, you know, office like commenting, hey, pro dev, can you help me do an advanced feature? So we're not necessarily saying, hey, every person has to be a developer, know your skill set, know the value that you make. And then you can kind of work together in this one um, building scenario. Yeah. So, so Jack, I, I have a very interesting and perhaps difficult question. Customers are very, very keen on protecting their data. And Power Virtual Agents has the ability, of course, to be out on the internet and also be used. Mm -hmm. not... what, would, what could you say to customers and ensure them that we have controls throughout our virtual agents and the ecosystem to protect the customer's data yeah. and not give them cause for concern. Yeah, of course. Um, super important question. And we always talk about it in the context and the lens of responsible AI, right? I mean, first of all, we always provide the controls to be able to turn this off, right? I think that's the most important thing is that as an admin, you have the controls to say, hey, actually, I don't want generative answers to be able to chat with my data and give the answer to a customer. The second part is, we follow the, you know, the Power Platform Admin Center. So you've got the controls, the visibilities and environments, data loss prevention policies, um, role-based access, all those sort of things. So that's kind of the standard stuff. When you get to generative AI, this is where it starts to get interesting. The features and the tools themselves that we've built have been aligned to, you know, Microsoft's responsible AI principles, super important, you know, fairness, inclusivity, transparency, all those sort of things. And then the final piece, which is when you use Power Virtual Agents and generative answers, the big concern is where's my data going and how are competitors being able to take advantage of the way that I use it, right? So the, the key part is when we use the Azure OpenAI service in Power Virtual Agents, your data is your data and we do not use the data to train the foundational OpenAI models without permission from your customer, from the customer, right? So there's, there's kind of a, a multi-layered approach to how we approach responsible AI is that your data is your data. We provide all the controls and uh, to be able to control and lock down Power Virtual Agents as a product. But yeah, th th hopefully that gives you a bit of confidence as how important and how critically serious we take this. But yeah. So I think you probably answered this already throughout the entirety of this podcast. But I think I want to surmise this. Is the future conversational in your eyes? And should it be that in the eyes of customers? I think there's always going to be a lens of it being conversational, right? I think what's easier than being able to speak or use the language that you use on a day-to-day -day basis? You know, not everyone can speak Python. Not everyone can speak in these various different languages. The most inclusive language is the way that, that we speak today. And Gartner shared a really interesting stat that kind of resonated with me that by 2026, 30% of use of technology will be conversationally enabled. And we've seen, you know, just this month in September, Microsoft Copilot across Windows, across Bing, across Edge is conversational enabled experiences to help complete tasks across your software and applications. So I absolutely think that there's going to be a fundamental shift that conversation will be that that first thought and probably the easiest way to complete a task at that point in time. But actually, it's not there to replace. And I think um, I think Satya had shared this at one point. It's there when you need it, but it's there when it when it's not. Right? You don't always. There's not always a scenario when you need conversational experiences to activate a task and such. Sometimes it is easier to just go into the UI and build. So I think that's kind of what resonates with me. And and that stat that I shared, the thirty percent of work will be conversationally enabled. Um, that was before the uh, ChatGPT boom, right? So it's just going to get even higher. But you know that could shift up to fifty percent, for example. You brought up a good point, right? Like not everybody knows Python, right? To to build out these these mm -hmm. agents. 
I was listening to a podcast. One of the co-hosts made a statement talking about how technology is changing in the world. And this was a while before natural language processing came out or even coined the term of that widely is that if you don't know how to do pro code development languages, you know, that's going to be a major skill set, essentially, like you don't know how to do math or you don't know, you know, you're, you're illiterate in the workforce at that point with natural language processing coming over and taking after pro code dev. Do you think the reliance on pro code skills to build these solutions isn't as important as what's what we thought it once was because we now have natural language to help us build these solutions faster? Yeah, I think pro development is always going to be an absolute critical piece to the development journey, right? It's always going to be important when we think about enterprises and control and trust, they're always going to play a continued role in there. But as we see with every technology, there's always a democratization, right? That it becomes more easy, it becomes more accessible for you to be able to kind of change the world, right? The example of GitHub Copilot, I think seeing the value that pro developers have been able to use to go faster is just one example of them to be able to you know, enhance those solutions. But that that low-code ecosystem has become enabled even more now with generative AI that I think is just going to become even more popular. Sean, you shared an article with me this week just showing that how generative AI is making low-code maybe even more important in these in these times. Um, but I think the key thing is it's not there to replace those skills that you've invested a lot of time in. It's there to make you even better um, and to build even more uh, intelligent solutions. Sean, I think it's a it's a very interesting question that you asked. Coincidentally, I was on site yesterday at a customer who shall remain nameless. This exact topic came up. We were doing a co-pilot hands-on lab with them four hours. The majority of the room, I would say good 90% of them, had no experience in writing code or anything like that. They were just learning about Power Platform and all of the different features in it, inside of there. Everything jacked from PVA into Power and apps and so on. And so with Copilot, we walked them through some exercises. Pretty much the entire room was able to build an app in under five minutes. That's yeah. phenomenal. Right now, there was, about, there was about 40 people in the room. So think about it. That's 40 people who have very limited knowledge building 40 apps in five minutes. Now, at the same time, there was a, there was a small number of them who had some pro code or have been limited code experience. And the comment that they made aligned with what you said is that the tooling that we are providing is very much so exactly that, a tool. It allows you to enhance your skill set if you already have it, or if you don't have any skills, close that gap between no skill and the pro coder itself. So one individual said, hey, I can do this much faster if I don't use the co-pilot because they had the knowledge and they knew how to do that. So for them, clicking through and going through and making the changes, again, not building out the framework of the app and everything else, but they talked about manipulating the data fields and doing some yeah. other things that more that were more like granular. They could do that much faster than using the co-pilot. And I mm -hmm. think that's the point that we're sort of getting to. Like if you're looking at pro code development, AI gives you the avenue to give you that quick, rapid prototype. I can get things up and going, but you made an excellent point earlier about, okay, what happens when you get to the point where you, where you cannot low code only takes you so far, how you have that extensibility with side of the Azure framework and other things to go way, way beyond that. Wendy, do you have anything more to add? Yeah. I mean, I work on the front lines with our customers and it's interesting just in the last couple of years, how 
PVA was a powerful tool. It was a good tool, but I don't think it was what our customers focused on. And now with the advancements in, in natural language and artificial intelligence, it, I mean, people can't get enough of this. And it's interesting because it's, it's the, the developers and the, the IT teams who are really pushing it and, and really helping them scale because there's so much knowledge and information that's generated within an organization. And I know knowledge management is a buzzword. I know there's a lot of pros and baggage associated with that, that terminology. But the truth is, is that um, it's difficult to maintain the knowledge that your company is generating. And it's difficult for people to upskill quickly. And in this digital age where we're, we are an economic climate, right? We are doing more with, with unfortunately fewer resources. This is helping people scale faster. And so I'm seeing a lot of, of companies jumping on power virtual agents, their developers loving it. And it, it's, it's kind of taking the spotlight right now. Um, I, I'm really curious thinking about this just for our users space as well, because some people they've heard of chat GPT, they've heard of power virtual agents. I'm just wondering if you can help me understand the difference. Like if I can, if I can chat with chat GPT or I can chat with being chat enterprise or eventually co-pilot, why would I want to use PVA? Is, is PVA going to be around for a while or does PVA have a shelf life? PVA is definitely going to be around for a long time, for sure. The thing that I always say is ChatGPT is an awesome tool for productivity scenarios, being able to ask it various different questions. And I think it's really about the data sources and the refinement and the control that you want, right? When you ask ChatGPT, it's asking the World Wide Web. It's saying, hey, you know, I've trained on all this data. Help me with that answer. I know ChatGPT has one point in time um, updates, for example. I know it's a bit delayed at this point, but ChatGPT4 um, and all those other things are kind of tackling that. But when you think, hey, as an enterprise, I would love to use like a ChatGPT scenario, but I want to refine it to the context of my data, you know, a SharePoint, a OneDrive, um, something else that I can control with access policies. That's where PVA starts to come into play. How do I have those generative summarization experiences to give to my employees or give to my customers? Um, the kind of that productivity, hey, let's ask it some questions and figure out how I can find the answer. So it's, I think it really comes down to the data and the filtering um, that you kind of want there. Awesome, Jack, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Before we let go, do you have any things, I know you referenced URL earlier for individuals to go and check mm -hmm. out if they're interested. Do you have anything else that you think people should take a look at before we close the episode? Yeah, so I think we get the question, how do we learn what's new and what's coming for PVA? I think there's a couple of things. See what happens at the Power Platform Conference. 3rd of October, we're going to have some super exciting things coming there. The next thing is Microsoft Ignite, 13th of November onwards. Um, again, some more awesome things. If you follow us at, you know, if you go to aka.ms forward slash tryPVA, that should take you to the website. And then at the top, there's the blog. And that is the central place that our engineers and myself help co-create content about all the latest features, how to get started, preview availabilities, and such. So that's probably the best place to start. And if you're at MPPC or the Microsoft Power Platform Conference in, in Vegas, uh, early October, come over to the Microsoft booth, come talk to Jack. Uh, you'll definitely be able to pick him out. He uh, like towers over everybody in the in the, the field. So we really appreciate that. Jack, thank you so much for joining. Unless Ken's over there, then those two see eye to eye and everybody else gets scared and we run away. But anyway, thank you so much for joining, Jack. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely fantastic to have you on. And we're really looking forward to the future of Power Virtual Agents. Excellent. Thank you so much. Thanks, Joe.